everybody. It's Dr. Sandy Laura Kramers. Thank you again for joining us for the EYE show. I'm one of the surgeons at Visionary Eye Doctors. And today we're going to talk about the natural ways to potentially help prevent glaucoma, uh, nerve damage of the eye. Glaucoma is one of the leading causes of blindness in the world that in some cases is possibly preventable. And so we're going to talk a little bit about the genetics. We're going to talk a little bit about dietary modifications, some publications that have come out to kind of talk about what you can do in your day-to-day -day life to kind of help prevent nerve damage. So last night I was at a um, kind of this big event and a friend of mine came up to me and kind of got into my face a bit and said, what's your philosophy about smoking? And I thought we were kind of surrounded by a lot of people and I didn't want to create a kind of scandal because I kind of knew her position on this and I didn't know what to say. So it was quite an interesting topic because I'm a big anti-smoking advocate, which you would think everybody in the world is, but that's actually not the case. And it's kind of interesting when you meet somebody that is not necessarily pro-smoking, but is pro-freedom um, significantly, like uh, civil liberties is a big issue for a lot of people, especially in the Washington DC area. And so it's interesting to kind of talk to people that really think that, you know, you should be free to do pretty much anything you want, which I understand that philosophy for sure. I'm all about freedom, of course, I'm, I'm American. But it was interesting because if you knew that, let's say something was causing a death to somebody, let's say, smoking, uh, making the slow, painful death more likely should you outlaw smoking in restaurants, schools, everywhere. And so at what level do we kind of say you should just outlaw something completely? And so we were having this really inter interesting interaction because I'm very much, you should just ban it completely. What's the point of smoking? And she said, well, what about sugar? What about carbohydrates? Well, what do you think about that? And she knows very well what I think about that. So it was very interesting. She said, well, would you prosecute your a, a mother for giving the child sugar? I was like, of course not. Would you prosecute a mother for giving their child a cigarette? Of course I wouldn't do that either. But it's we were talking a lot about this. So the point of this is that a lot of decisions we make for ourselves or we teach our children, we're trying to do the best we can to help our family. And obviously, everyone has free will in this whole process. And so we're trying to just educate patients to make their own decision. We did not solve the world's problems with this last night. And my friend is a consultant for Philip Morris, which was tra a travesty to hear. And of course, I'm trying to convince my friend to not be a consultant. But I understand her point that, you know, there are freedoms in this world that people should be allowed to make a kind of choice on whatever poison they want to take. Um, anyway, it's kind of an interesting situation. So when we talk about glaucoma, we've talked about glaucoma at length because it's one of the most commonly uh, common diseases we see as ophthalmologists, as eye surgeons. And essentially, as we talked about, glaucoma is nerve damage, optic nerve damage. So you have your eyeball that connects to your brain. It's connected by a cable like your TV cable. It has an insulation around it. And as that insulation starts to become older, uh, genetics can affect how quickly that is damaged per se. You have certain types of toxins in your body, trauma, an anatomical things like narrow angle, the pressure in the eyeball as it kind of fluctuates affects that insulation around that cable that goes to your brain. And we can now measure that insulation very precisely. We can actually see the optic nerve inside the eye. As I've mentioned before, it's the only place in the body you can actually see a nerve without cutting open the skin. So we or, or cutting open the eye. So we love to look at the nerve because you can actually see the nerve change over time. You can actually see this nerve die over time. And so our goal is to prevent blindness. And we want to watch that nerve every sometimes 
a year, sometimes every few months. We take a look at the different parameters around the eyeball to kind of make sure that patient has no risk for something that is called narrow angle glaucoma or chronic narrow angle glaucoma, which is a very common cause of glaucoma and is often preventable glaucoma. Uh, things like diabetic glaucoma, again, preventable. You can cure diabetes. You can prevent diabetes type 2. And there's things you can do to also, when you decide what kind of food you're going to eat, let's say you have a strong family history of glaucoma, it's in your genes, what kind of changes can you make in what you eat day to day or where you live even in terms of pollution and smoke and so forth to prevent the epigenetics around the disease to be in your favor. And so there's quite a lot of data coming out from all over the world on epigenetics, the effect of your genes versus the epigenes, the, the kind of component that affects those genes. So just because you have a gene for something doesn't mean you're gonna get it. And there's been some studies that saying genetic determinants are less than 10% of the cause of the disease. And other things like environment, uh, decisions of food that you eat, uh, where you live, for instance, your stress level, sleep, exercise, prevention of diabetes, determine 90% of whether that gene is going to turn into a cancer or macular degeneration, glaucoma. So I want to go through a little bit with you. So one of the our wonderful uh, international medical doctors put together this excellent packet that I'll put on my blog that goes through the main uh, papers talking about nutrients and how they some some can prevent potentially or help slow down the progression of glaucoma. So we're going to go through a whole bunch of data here. This is not exhaustive. As I was going through this, I realized a lot of the papers that have been published, the sample sizes are often very small. There's not that many participants in some of these studies, so we don't have all the data available, but I'm going to mention some of them. Uh, some of them are not randomized controlled perspective studies, so we don't know what other other confounders were involved. Let's say you have a study where you are taking a lot of vitamin A or vitamin B1 or something, but then they're smoking or in a house with a smoker. Well, you don't have a way to really necessarily capture that in the way questionnaires are devised. And so there's a lot of confounders involved in some of these studies. Uh, as we know, a lot of these uh, kind of natural things that we talk about, caffeine, uh, of course, smoking is smoking bad, all these different factors, uh, should you have certain types of uh, vitamins and uh, curcumin, spices, ginkgo biloba, melatonin. We're going to go through all these. Uh, saffron, resveratrol. Are they helpful? Are they worth the money or not? A lot of these don't really are not big money makers, of course, for pharmaceutical companies. So most of these studies are obviously not sponsored by pharmaceutical companies, which is good. But the uh, amount of data we have in terms of numbers of patients, the way the study was performed is limited because it's just a kind of sometimes uh, what's called cross-sectional studies, observational studies, and in some few cases we do have randomized controlled studies. So I'm just going to start to read through a little bit of this and so you guys can get an idea of what we're talking about. So the key vitamins when we talk about thinking of eye health are the antioxidants and for instance vitamin A which is also called retinol has those good components you know you've heard me talk about retinol retinol cream on the eyelids that makes me a little nervous for the health of the meibomian glands but that's separate from what you eat in terms of retina retinol in terms of vitamin A now too much of any vitamin can be damaging so of course that's why there's certain recommendations of the total amount you should take you shouldn't take too much vitamin A because potentially it could cause problems with secretion of oil uh, in, in 
potentially some of your body, but I, I think that's rare to take this too much. But but we usually get vitamin A from basically kind of vegetables, uh, of course the green leafy vegetables, broccoli, uh, carrots, uh, tomatoes. I'm realizing this is in Spanish as I'm reading it, so I'm kind of laughing because um, I'm translating as I do this, which is always very fun. Uh, watermelon, cantaloupe, oranges, papaya, mangoes, and other animal products that have vitamin A are butter, uh, let's see, cheese, eggs, and it says, I'm not sure what, aceite de hígado de bacalo. I think that's oil of some type of animal. Uh, of course, meat and fish. Vitamin B1, which also is important, is in our cereals, our beans, cauliflower, asparagus, oranges, potatoes, rice, um, cabbage. And of course, from the animal component, meat, pork, beef, liver, eggs, fish. Uh, let's see, a lot of these, as we talked about before, you'll have to kind of decide on your genetic makeup in terms of whether there's a risk of diabetes or not. Sometimes you don't want to necessarily be eating cereals if you have a history of diabetes. And so B12, there are different types of, of course, the same kind of idea, all the green leafy vegetables, animal meats, milk, cheese, eggs, red meat. Vitamin B3, niacin. Uh, vitamin B12, the other name for that is riboflavin. And vitamin B1, the other name for that is thiamine. So for B3, niacin, of course, there is many of the same things. Green leafy vegetables, beans, tofu, uh, cabbage. And then from the animal part, there's liver, chicken, fish, salmon, sardines, and eggs. Vitamin B6 is pyridoxina, or pyridoxine, I think call it in English. And so... Uh, bananas, chickpeas, uh, bananas again, um, potatoes, tofu, pistachios, uh, avocado have a lot of vitamin B6. And from the animal origin, there is, of course, meat, chicken, fish, folate B9, uh, the vegetables of the cereal, kind of uh, just cereals in general, it says spinach, uh, romaine lettuce, asparagus, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, uh, nuts, seeds, beans, guacamole, or avocado, I should say, mango, oranges, and from the origin for animals, it would say eggs, liver, and shellfish. B12 uh, uh, is also a very good vitamin, and we're going to go through a little bit of this here. So fish, red meat, liver, ham, eggs, and cheese. And then, of course, vitamin C with all the all the fruits and vegetables, vitamin D and vitamin E. Those are, of course, very important. So vitamin C, we, we know those are to, to be like kiwi, of course, papaya, Brussels sprouts, spinach, broccoli, vitamin D, uh, which I'm a big fan of taking extra supplements in the wintertime. You've heard me talk about this on my COVID protocol, for instance. Things like fish, uh, cereals, uh, salmon, sardines cabbage, eggs, red meat, liver, and of course being exposed to the soul is very, uh, to the to the sun is very very good for vitamin D. Vitamin E, this is the last one. Uh, fish and seeds and nuts is very good. Um, avocado, spinach, cabbage, 
and asparagus, mangoes, and I think that's it. So those are, well, there's, you know, all the vegetables are very good for that. So let's go through the glaucoma study. So that will be a little bit more interesting. So in 2012, there was a meta-analysis uh, by Dr. Ramdas and his, fan and his team, vitamin A retinol, which we talked about. It was 3,500 participants, which is pretty good for a, a kind of a study like this of patients 55 years and older with primary open angle glaucoma. We've talked about that before, of the different types of glaucoma. This type of glaucoma, the angle's open, people are starting to lose vision, or the, the insulation around the nerve is starting to not function well, and people are starting to lose visual field effect. And it did seem to show a positive association, but again, there's so many confounders, hard to prove. Uh, similar study with vitamin B1, same idea. It showed a controversial correlation between vitamin B1 and primary open angle glaucoma, but it's suggestive. A different study in 2018 by Coleman on vitamin B12, which is riboflavin, uh, for 1,155 women showed that two milligrams a day uh, if you take two milligrams a day, which is a lot of vegetables and fruits and so forth, your risk of having developing um, primary open-end gla glaucoma was statistically significantly lower. It was a cross-sectional cohort study in 2017 and again in 2018. Williams and his team did a double-masked randomized controlled study, which is the best kind you can do, but it was only 57 patients, which is at least something, and they looked at vitamin B3, niacin, and its precursor NAD and nicotinamide, which showed that nicotinamide supplements six weeks of 1.5 grams per day for, and then six weeks of three grams a day showed an improvement in the inner retinal function in patients with glaucoma. So should you run out and take nicotinamide? It's hard to prove because we only have a couple of studies and they're very small studies, 57 patients. But if you're already taking it for other reasons or you can find foods that have nicotinamide, which I would do another kind of study on to see, I'll do, another, do a little research to see which ones, uh, which foods have nicotinamide. I would probably be the kind of person that would change my diet if I was diagnosed with glaucoma. If I was diagnosed with diabetes, I would do everything I can to cure my diabetes. So everyone has to make their own decision. So again, this is just trying to educate patients to see what's worth the money and what's worth the time of trying to change your diet to include these types of extra vitamins and minerals in your diet. With vitamin B6, uh, we talked a little bit about how it helps in the past, we've talked in the past of how it helps maintain your homocysteine levels, which is a level of inflammation. And they did a retrospective cross-sectional analysis. This was in 2016, uh, Leibovitz, which is not the best type of study if it's retrospective, but it's better than nothing. It had 11,800 patients, which is good. And they compared it and they didn't really see a high correlation uh, with the basically homocysteine level and high levels of, of high pressure, but they did see higher levels of homocysteine of homocysteine uh, in patients that had primary angle uh, glaucoma. So the idea being that vitamin B6 possibly could help decrease glaucoma risk, but it's not proving a, a full causation, meaning you have high vitamin B6 and therefore you're going to have prevention of glaucoma. That study did not prove that, but it suggests that it might be helpful. There was another study with vitamin B9 of in 2006. This was 25 patients, prospective uh, study, it did show there was a significant reduction in folate, vitamin B9, uh, in patients that had pseudoxfoliation. So pseudoxfoliation is a condition that basically is uh, where we have the lens of the capsule has changes on the lens of itself that can cause the release of this kind of we call a debris into the eye, into the drain of the eye and make the drain get clogged up. So let's say you have like just releasing like little pieces of tissue paper 
in a sink and it clogs up your sink, that's what pseudoexfoliation is kind of like. So there was an association with that and low folate. So if you have pseudoexfoliation in your family, if your doctor says you have pseudoexfoliation, consider just making sure your folate level is normal or maybe increasing your foods that have folate. Let me just tell you, remind you what folate is. So folate is basically, again, just the red, green, leafy vegetables, mangoes, oranges, spinach, romaine lettuce, asparagus, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, uh, nuts and seeds, and beans, uh, liver, shellfish, eggs. Those are the folates. Okay, so going on to vitamin B12, uh, what we saw is that there was a prospective study. This was called the National Prospective Cohort Study on, in 2020, 2014 and 20, 2006. There was 25 patients with both primary open-angle glaucoma and pseudoexfoliation, and it was shown that a deficiency in vitamin B12 did have a decrease in the nerve retinal fiber layer compared to controls, and it was plus or minus in the pseudoexfoliation. So again, having these antioxidants is a good thing. Same thing with vitamin B6. This was 1,793 patients done in 2019 by Dr. Heiss, and that showed a reduction in glaucoma and a lower eye pressure if you had significant levels of vitamin uh, C. So really, I'll keep going through this a little bit more, but um, really doctors should be asking their patients, do you eat vegetables? Do you eat green leaf vegetables? And do you eat fruits if you have a patient with glaucoma? But most doctors don't. I mean, I know I, I haven't asked patients their diet specifically when I have a glaucoma patient, but I think I will start because this is kind of important. Vitamin D, uh, again, 357 patients, small study, 2019, case control study. It was kind of controversial results because it just didn't really show a much decrease in the pressure of healthy volunteers, but it did show that patients with advanced uh, primary open angle glaucoma had lower levels of vitamin D. So again, vitamin D is so helpful for cell tissue healing. And so always make sure you're you're really eating your green vegetables and your vitamins, your minerals in your diet primarily. If for some reason you can't get it in your diet, then of course supplementation is a good idea probably if you have glaucoma. It's just we don't have proof that it's worth the money. So again, my goal would be just to encourage people to eat that in their foods day to day, which is a good habit to have anyway for your longevity, risk of cancer, and so forth. Last one, vitamin E. This was a study done in 2007, interventional study, non-randomized, 30 patients only, 60 eyes. They showed that 300 to 600 milligrams a day of oral vitamin E uh, as alpha-tocopherol acetate for 12 months had a neuroprotective effect. So should you go out and buy vitamin E? Well, and take it. Uh, those are not easy pills to take. I, I like vitamin E, but I would say that, yes, if I have glaucoma, I probably would, And but primarily I would get it in my diet. So I hope this was helpful. We're going to do a part two series of this glaucoma component. We're going to go through things like um, body mass index. Of course, people are going to, of course, know what to expect with that. Exercise, obesity, your body shape, alcohol, caffeine, all these different factors are crucial in trying to kind of help patients decide what you can do to modify your risks. So please continue to listen to the next session. Subscribe, pass this on to friends and family. I hope you enjoy this. Continue to send your uh, questions because as you know, a lot of these podcasts are based on real patients' questions. So have a good day. Thank you.